Kyla Breeze has a special. This song I'm going to sing tonight I actually wrote about a month ago when I started leading worship on Wednesday nights. I just wrote this song. It's called Our King, and it's mainly about everything he went through when he died on the cross and how he conquered the grave. Y'all just listen to the words of this song.
Thank you, Caleb. And certainly we need to remember what Jesus, our King, did for us. And matter of fact, that's what I want to speak about uh, tonight is remembering. And uh, head to the book of Luke, chapter 22, beginning, I believe, with verse 17. In Luke 22, verse 17, on this topic of remembering, remembering our king. I love that part that he said at the end that uh, when Caleb was singing that song that one day Jesus is coming back and everybody will know then that he did come out of the grave. He is alive. There's no doubt about it. We believe it. But one day the whole world will know. Uh, I love the way it says in one portion of God's word, uh, of course, talking about Israel, whenever he says, they shall look upon him whom they pierced. They shall look upon him whom they pierced. Now, who is they? That is Israel. They crucified him. Luke 22, verse 17. The word of God says this, and he took the cup. And gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In thinking about remembering, uh, there's a lot of times we remember. In just a little bit, not right now, we're going to, I've got a, uh, a short, uh, I was remembering a, a video about uh, our former president. I believe he was the 40th president. Just, I didn't look all this up ahead of time. Uh, Ronald Reagan. And, uh, and just uh, eight, for our president, eight years, he really his legend grew even more after he left office. Uh, a neat guy, a neat Christian who really loved the Lord. And that's, I think about what he stood for and stood for our country. And there's many times we need to stand up. Even if you are in a public office, whether like him, the top office of the president, and I love this particular story. I've used it as an illustration before. I can't remember if I did here. But it, the story is in April 1863 in Columbus, Mississippi, after decorating graves of her two sons, an elderly woman walked to two mounds at the corner of the cemetery. One person said, what are you doing those are the graves of two Union soldiers. The reply, I know. I also know that somewhere in the north, a mother or young wife mourns for them as we do ours. That little band of ladies set in motion what later became known as Memorial Day. It started after the Civil War. The Civil War took over 600,000 lives in all on both sides, including all of the complications and what happened. Remembering their sacrifice and remembering what people did, many person has, as Jesus did, this do in remembrance of me. We should never forget what Jesus did 
for you and I. Remembering when I'm, uh, it's easy to get distracted in this world. And when I'm distracted or down or I don't have a direction, especially if, uh, as pastoral leadership goes, and maybe you're trying to say, well, what, which direction do I go? Is there a particular way, Lord, that you would like for uh, maybe a set of messages or maybe uh, something, uh, a particular project? Uh, one pastor said it like this whenever he would not know what to preach. He said, just brag on Jesus. That's all you have to do. When you really don't know, say, you got 66 books, and it seems like, which way do I go? And he said, well, just brag on Jesus. We should remember what he did. Caleb was working on a different song earlier this afternoon, and uh, it talked about God not only remembering our king, but uh, it talks about remembering his greatness and our God is great, and we should remember that about him. Back up to Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is the second generation. It's kind of like the younger generation. All the generation that Moses dealt with died along with him. And he was trying to lead this new generation in and getting them ready. And, uh, of course, Moses was on up in years whenever God called him into the ministry. He was 80 years old, and he had a 40-year ministry for him. He died whenever he was 120. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, we're going to look at a couple of places there. The first one, chapter 7, then the other one in chapter 24. But Deuteronomy 7, in verse 18, he's getting these people ready to go in. And uh, notice it says, when you go into this land, thou shalt not be afraid of them. Talking about all those foreigners. But thou shalt well remember what? What the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh. Remember what he did. Remember what God did. Now, head to Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 18. Just a few pages further. And then it says, but thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman, which means y'all were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. We should always obey God because we can remember what he did, what he got us through. Uh, I like this in Psalms uh, 105. Just head on a little further, quite a bit further in the Old Testament. Psalms 105 and verse 5. Again, we see this word, remember. Psalm 105 and verse 5, it says this. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. You know, while I was in the... In the Philippines, I, I couldn't help but be, obviously, any time you set foot outside of our country, it makes you thankful for the country that you live in. And a lot of times, whenever you, you basically what you're doing is you're, when you go to another country, you are putting yourself under their culture, under their laws, and you, you're no longer un, under the protection of the United States now. Uh, you could claim protection, but you usually have to go to an embassy <laughs> to claim those protections. Uh, you're, you're under their, 
guidelines. You're under their leadership, so to speak. But folks, we now live in a foreign land. This world is not our home. Our protection comes from God. Under His marvelous works, God has protected, and we need to remember that He's got people through tough times before. Uh, many, of, many of our forefathers have died to give us freedom. And Jesus died to give us freedom. We have the people that died in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War One, Two, the Korean War, the Vietnam War. Then it went all the way now. We have the Gulf War, Iraqi Freedom War, Afghanistan War. We've got all of these people that have fought for our freedoms, but they're fighting it mainly, especially since uh, the year 2001, uh, our wars have been fought around battling terrorism on all fronts, who, of course, are they're not only against freedom, they're against life. They're against life. They don't want you to have freedom. They don't want you to live. And so our life and our freedoms come from Jesus, and we need to remember what he did. And uh, all, all of these, uh, many times, we overlook and we take for granted. Saying all of that, you know, I think about... Uh, God many times has allowed countries to suffer their own consequences. And I'm afraid that the United States is suffering from its own con- We have let God slip. God can't, His name can't even be used anymore. Our leaders are afraid to take a stand. I think it was quite surprising whenever... Uh, uh, Bill Robertson, you know, took his stand against homosexuality and it caused a firestorm of an upheaval, but it all settled down for his, that he didn't back down, that he stood for what the Bible said. Uh, we may disagree theologically on some things, but I love what he said about the morals. I love what he said that is Bible based. I love what he said that he uplifts Jesus and Jesus died so that men could live, live forever. We shouldn't forget those things. Our country will never be the same again. Matter of fact, the, it began to fade. I don't know. You could probably pick a year. I could probably pick a year. We'd probably be within 20 years of each other when our country began to shift. And, folks, it's already happened in God's Word. Did you know countries slide? It says in the Bible that the nation of Israel had judges, and the judges, you know what was a common, what's a common line in the book of Judges that happened over and over? It says that men began to do evil in the sight of the Lord, and, they be, and it says this, they did what was right in their own eyes. They began to drift away. So that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And that's, our, that's the country we live in. Uh, I'm going to have uh, Perry go ahead and roll that uh, video. And this just, we'll probably never ever hear a president ever say these words that you're about to hear right now. Someone asked me whether I was aware of all the people out there who were praying for the president. And I had to say, yes, I am. I felt it. I believe in intercessionary prayer. But I couldn't help but say to that questioner after, that sometimes when he was praying, he got a busy signal. It was just me in there ahead of him. 
I think I understand how Abraham Lincoln felt when he said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Now, I realize it's fashionable in some circles to believe that no one in government should encourage others to read the Bible. That we're, we're told that we'll violate the constitutional separation of church and state established by the Founding Fathers in the First Amendment. The First Amendment was not written to protect people and their laws from religious values. It was written to protect those values from government tyranny. Amen. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? No matter where we live, we have a promise that can make all the difference. A promise from Jesus to soothe our sorrows, heal our hearts, and drive away our fears. He promised there will never be a dark night that does not end. Our weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. He promised if our hearts are true, His love will be as sure as sunlight. And by dying for us, Jesus showed how far our love should be ready to go. All the way. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all Americans yearn to explore life's deepest truths and to say their entertainment or their idea of entertainment is sex and violence and crime is an insult to their goodness and intelligence. We are people who believe love can triumph over hate, creativity over destruction, and hope over despair. And that's why so many millions hunger for God's good news. I've always believed that we were, each of us put here for a reason, that there, there is a plan, somehow a divine plan for all of us. I know now that whatever days are left to me belong to him. I also believe this blessed land was set apart in a very special way. Our forebears came not for gold, but mainly in search of God and the freedom to worship in their own way. We've been a free people living under the law with faith in our maker and in our future. I've said before that the most sublime picture in American history is of George Washington on his knees in the snow at Valley Forge. That image personifies a people who know that it's not enough to depend on our own courage and goodness. We must also seek help from God, our Father and Preserver. We'll never find every answer, solve every problem, or heal every wound. But we can do a lot if we walk together down that one path that we know provides real hope. The morality and values such faith implies are deeply embedded in our national character. Our country embraces those principles by design, and we abandon them at our peril. My experience in this office I hold has only deepened a belief I've held for many years. Within the covers of that single book are all the answers to all the problems that face us today if we'd only read and believe.
I doubt we'll ever have another president quote John 3.16 ever again. And uh, go ahead and go to one more scripture in Luke 23. And uh, just, I've got a book of quotes. And uh, he's some very famous ones from Ronald Reagan, our love presidential biographies. And uh, there's a lot of great men down through the years. Uh, really enjoyed, uh, of course, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, different ones, and shared some of their stories before. And uh, remembering, remembering. In our great country, and even a country of Texas, it was a country before it became annexed by the United States, there have been many great battle cries. One of them, of course, is remember the Alamo. And they would cry that when they were fighting independence from Mexico. In 1941, they had a battle cry that came up, and uh, it was called Remember Pearl Harbor. And many times our fighting men and women, especially men back then, uh, would use these battle cries. And they'd say, Remember the Alamo, remember Pearl Harbor. And they would use it as they charged the enemy to try to inspire them that you have a reason worth fighting. You have a reason for living. You have a reason for giving it your all. We could come up with our own and say, well, we need to remember what Jesus did. And, of course, the, the, the little five-minute thing that Ronald Reagan did was all about remembering where our country used to be. And it really is, seems like a, a distant memory. Now, it's hard to believe that was 30 years ago that that all happened. It's hard to imagine that's 30 years ago. We're 30 years removed from a time of conservatism. We're no longer a conservative nation. We're a secular nation. Secular means we just go with whatever's popular. Europe is a secular nation, all of Europe. And it just, in other words, whatever's popular, there's no morals anymore. There's no right and wrong. It's whatever feels good. There was a fellow hanging on the cross right beside Jesus Christ in Luke 23, 42. And he used the word remember in Luke 23, 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. And then Jesus says in the very next verse, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So guess what? He said, I'm, I'm going to remember you. And matter of fact, we're about to meet up again. That's awesome. To think about that one day you can say right now that I've lived for this long. Is, it any, is there anything that you've done that you think in your life that is going to matter in eternity? And you know what? God's not an Indian giver. And if you've done anything for him with no ulterior motive, he will remember you. And he will reward you, and he will give you exactly what you have and you deserve. And then one day, when we stand before the Lord and the judgment seat of Christ, and, and he's given us a, a crown or, or jewel, or the Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he, you know what he's doing? You know what the judgment seat of Christ is all about? It says he will reward us. This is the way Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 3. And also in 2 Corinthians, he said, for the things we've done in this body, whether they be good or bad, which tells me God's going to remember. 
Have you ever thought about that? The judgment seat of Christ is because God's going to remember. And not to see if your balance, your scale balances out, but he just wants to reward you. He said some is wood, hay, and stubble, and some is gold, silver, precious stones. And some will be saved, yet so as by fire, which means that there will be nothing left. And just be saved. And we said, well, I'll just thank the Lord that I'm there. But then when everybody's casting their crowns at Jesus' feet, as described in the book of Revelation, we'll reach up. And there's nothing there. There's nothing to give him. Nobody, it doesn't say anywhere that the judgment seat of Christ is going to be a fun time. Nowhere in this book. But I, I hope I have something to give him. He's going to remember, and I need to remember. I need to remember what he did for me. You know, and again, using that example, those soldiers charging. They remember the Alamo, remember Pearl Harbor, remember... And we should say, remember what Jesus did for us. And I, I need to take a stand. I need to say, I won't be ashamed. And I can publicly say, like our presidents of old and men of old and even here lately, uh, people from Monroe, Louisiana, saying, I don't care what the world believes. I'm taking a stand for this book from that, that leather cover right there. Inside that book are all the answers we need. All the answers you need and I need, it's all right there as we prepare for him invitation. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, help us to remember, to remember what you've done. Let it encourage us. And when, if we lose our direction or we, we get distracted, that we, that we would be willing to brag on you in front of others. And we would not be ashamed and we just won't talk about uh, what not to do, but, dear Lord, what we need to do, what we need to say, and how to encourage others and point people to you, how to lift your love up, how to lift Jesus up, how to lift the cross up. Dear Lord, let it be not about us, but let our lives be about you and remembering what you did for us. Paying the ultimate price, giving us hope and new life. In Jesus' name, amen.